You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. Welcome to the pinnacle of wrestling entertainment, Premier Streaming Network. Join us at watchonpremier.com to unlock the ultimate wrestling experience, curated to perfection. Immerse yourself in the spectacular world of wrestling history, where classic battles and unforgettable moments are at your fingertips. Join us today and experience the epitome of curated wrestling content, because when it comes to wrestling entertainment, Premier sets the standard. Be Premier. Everybody, wow, this is Dominic D'Angelo of where am I at now? Inside the ropes.com and several other outlets, ad free shows. But I'm here on the premier streaming network for episode three of One of a Kind with none other than RVD. <laughs> Rob, thank you. How's it going, man? Good to see you. Good, this hey, happy. Uh, yeah, whatever day this is, <laughs> whatever day this comes out on, you know, right. we're having a good time. <laughs> yeah, everything's awesome. Everything is, uh, um, Busy like always, dude. Glad to glad to do this. I was looking forward to it. Um, man, I should probably turn this light on, though. You know, I'm digging it. You can do it. <laughs> like, it's that time of day here, uh, seven o'clock, where it's going to be getting darker, and pretty soon I'll be. Have you ever, um, have you ever seen Rene Dupree's podcast? Yes. Um, I don't remember Cafe Dupree. Is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I like I like watching. I've been on there a few times. Of course, those are the best episodes. But. Right. Um, uh, the, the one of the best things is that Renee just doesn't give a fuck. Like sometimes half his face will be shown. I see that he's like walking around doing yeah. this show. He'll be, he'll be like out in the backyard where it's dark and you can't even see anything. And, and uh, it's yeah, I, I get a, a kick out of that. I always have. Uh, uh, I think I saw the one show. where he had Dango on there, or Dirty Dango on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, like that. I like that dude. Good dude. Yeah. He is a real good dude. Um, I have to ask. I forgot to talk to you about this before we recorded, but uh, the news. Did you ever have uh, superstar Billy Graham just passed away? Did you have any interaction with him? Um, no, I didn't know he passed away. I mean, this morning I thought it was still uh, that he was on he, life support. Yeah, so. that's what I saw too. And then I, I was just checking social media right before mm. we were recording, and I I totally forgot like to talk to you yeah, about that, it. But yeah, that sucks. Uh, my. My interaction with him was uh, he was the eulogy reader and conductor of Eddie Guerrero's funeral. Really? So during that whole presentation, he was up there on the microphone um, and uh, I had my evil ex with me at that time who later was diagnosed with cancer and superstar reached out to us. I can't remember how it was, how we reached out, but we got a message from him that he was praying for. I just thought that was really cool for him to go out of his way to say that and, and to do that because um, I had only met him that, that one time mm -hmm. and, and he got the news that like everybody did, I guess of her, um, 
her diagnosis and it just stuck out in my mind. I can't remember. Maybe it was on Facebook my, or MySpace. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. Oh wow. So I didn't was him was he close with Eddie? I couldn't tell you. Yeah, uh, yeah I don't know. Man, wow. I would have never guessed that, but man, yeah, I mean the career he's had, it was just like he set the precedent for a lot of the guys like Jesse Ventura, Hogan, like you yeah, know, you know. I, I can't tell I don't know how many guys I've um, pointed this out to over the years, people that um, don't know a lot about wrestling history. I would point out Hulk Hogan and Jesse Ventura. And I'd say, see how both of these guys took uh, superstar Billy Graham and, and they just like both like ripped him in half and went, you know, like took different parts of him and became, <laughs> that's, that's exactly what happened. And uh, so many times over the years, I've done that, including, you know, showing Katie on YouTube or whatever, looking that up. That's really sad to hear. Yeah, I know. And like, you know, he obviously went through his struggles and things like that. But, you know, um, very optimistic and was kind of, you know, uh, engaging personality, obviously. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, we covered a lot of movie talk and gangster talk last week. Um, and usually my head goes into wild, wild different things. You were talking about, we were, you're talking our thoughts about like bad bunny being on and certain things like that, how you would certainly handle, especially if you were in competitive mode, how you would, um, interact with some of the talent there. If they were celebrities, um, it got me thinking, I start thinking about wild stuff. If you could pick any celebrity, you had to fight them. You just wanted to rough them up. Who would you go with? Is there somebody that sticks out that you'd be like, ah, I would like to, give a couple one and twos to them, you know, before being asked, of course not. Yeah. It's a ridiculous thing for me to, to want, I think. Right. It's, it's a weird fantasy. Um, <laughs> thinking about it. Um, oh, but, but you know, when you open up that part of my mind, I did participate in Hulk Hogan's championship celebrity wrestling. I don't know. Did if, you? Yeah. I don't know if you remember that. Uh, it was a little TV series and celebrities were being trained to be professional wrestlers. And then they would compete and get voted off one by one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It was kind of a ridiculous show, but um, you know, Dennis Rodman, he's been around the wrestling scene, but uh, besides himself screeched by the. uh, Oh, Dustin Diamond. Yep. You know what I mean? Um, I remember this now. Yeah, it's charging up my brain. I remember it. Mm-hmm. Um, Tiffany was one of them. And oh, really? Willis from Different Strokes. Yeah. Um, oh, um, Danny Bonaducci. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's actually really good. He's actually, <laughs> he actually is really good. Um, nice. So anyway, you know, I did get in the ring with some uh, some celebrities and do some wrestling because I – I, my my participation was one on one episode. I was teaching the importance of having a finishing move and having them uh, come up with one and, and own it, develop it, stuff like that. So uh, that that comes to mind, you know. But as far as wrestling, um, a celebrity, uh, yeah, I I, I I I can't really. No preference. Uh, my my brain doesn't really think that way. You're right. <laughs> my mine goes all over like that. I guess it's just yeah. like watching fighting and sports. Who would you want to see me wrestle? 
Oh my gosh, that's a great question. Man, from a cool celebrity standpoint, let me think here. I can tell you um, if it was, if it didn't, if it could be just anyone in history, I would name a politician, maybe like Harry Anslinger, so I could beat the shit out of him. And uh, there'd be so many politicians that want to beat the shit out of him. Hey, that was me. I did it with my heels. <laughs> my heels on the floor. Man, I'm trying to think. I think just off the top of my head, wow. Oh my gosh. Uh action star definitely, I think. Yeah. Well, How about Jean-Claude Van Damme? That's what I was gonna say, Jean-Claude. That's not bad. Sudden Death Era Jean-Claude versus uh modern RVD. I'd like it. Yeah. Actors, yeah. He I, I he's cool, but I have a funny feeling that um actors don't want to be don't want you to know sometimes that their if their size is inferior in real life yeah. you know what i mean and and he's one of those guys and you know the the very 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 first time i i, I almost met him um i was in line to get a picture with him and the fans pushed me right to the front of the line did they yeah and then they and they were chanting uh, RVD while he was answering questions and stuff. And then he just cut it. Like his manager said, uh, okay, you know, we're going to, you know, this is the last one and just stopped it. And then, uh, and then later on I tried again and his manager said, he's, he's not going to take a picture. Uh, he's not going to take a picture with you. And uh, I, you know, I used to think he, I, I don't want to hang that on him. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, it should so be just handler stuff. So long ago, yeah. He said, why would he do something that's going to help your career do nothing for his? And uh, that's what he told my manager. His manager told my manager. But anyway, um, but I think he's cool. We have a mutual friend right now. But I I, I do feel like when, when I think about wrestling him, because I'm bigger than most people think I am in, in real life, in the action stars, a lot of them are the opposite. You know, you'd be surprised by a lot of people when they meet me in person that are like, 180 pounds or so they go man i thought we'd be the same size and i've never added weight to my wrestling persona because i don't look um more than my weight anyway so even when i was like uh you know 210 pounds like people thought i was um 180 pounds so i wasn't gonna say i'm 220 and try and add weight to it you know right and, and i've always been around 230 you know um up or down um 10 pounds here, whatever, you know, for the most part. But um, anyway, he's like 170 pounds or so. Did I tell you the story about the guy that played Punisher? Tom Jane? Yeah. No, uh-uh. Okay, well, this is really where a lot of this stems from. There's that autograph signing at the shrine when uh, he looked at me too, you know, and then said, and his manager said, okay, no more. And their fans were like, no, one more, one more, RVD. And then, and then it got rude. Um, but that was years ago, but so I, I was at the Comic Con um, Wizards World in San Francisco several years ago when I had the comic book store, and uh, I had a couple of guys from the store in my booth on the floor, um, Josh and, and, and Medium Rob, and uh, they saw Thomas Jane walk by and they got excited. Ooh, ooh, you know that's he's 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 the new Punisher. And um, they said, uh, do you, do you want to you get a picture with him? And I'm like, sure. You know, and so they ran up there and I saw them talking to him and he like looked back for a second. 
And then, um, and then uh, he just kept on walking and they ran back. <laughs> it's like, man, I thought maybe he said he'll be back by later or something, probably like a blow off like that. Like, yeah, I'll come back. Uh, they said, no, he's, he, uh, he looked, he said, he looked at you and he said, um, is he taller than me? What? And Josh said that his answer was like, well, yeah, a little bit. And he went, oh, and then just kept walking. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I don't, that's never been an issue with me because I'm shorter, shorter than everybody. So I'm like, I never really worry about Actors are all about their image. So, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wrestlers are too, but maybe even more so with actors because mm -hmm. wrestlers you see performing live sometimes, but actors just live on that little screen. On that screen and you can yeah. obviously smoke and mirrors can make you look, you know, however you want to you know, yeah. you know, whatever, man. That's <laughs> some wild shit. Mm -hmm. Um, so something that's coming up, um, and I just wanted to get your thoughts on it. We talked a little bit about it last week was uh the dark side of the ring. They announced season four and all the episodes. And so I wanted to kind of run down just the, what the episodes were and if your kind of relationship or or you know anything that you might have a connection with any of these wrestlers or stuff going through. So by the uh way, by the way, um does that bother when that vent kicks on? Does that fuck up the audio? It's not bad. I no, it doesn't bug me. Last week. Okay, we'll find yeah. out. Uh, we'll find out. We'll we'll get some good feedback. I'm sure. <laughs> All right. uh, but by the way, I filmed with Dark Side of the Ring yesterday. Oh, did you? Okay, cool. It's been going for, good for an episode that's not listed on this season. So I'm guessing there's one more season, and then maybe that's it because. I just heard Vice after I left yesterday. Katie told me that Vice is going. They're bankrupt. going bankrupt. I didn't yeah. even know. Like they mentioned a few things that made sense once I knew, but I just thought they meant the show was going off the air. I didn't realize. I wonder if there'll be another carrier distributor for it. I don't know, like moving forward or something. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, yeah. Well, G I really like, like Vice. That was that was a really good channel that really got behind a layer or two of the bullshit. You they know? got some doc good documentary stuff on there, not just wrestling stuff related too. Yeah, they got a little deeper, a little deeper into uh, real world stuff, you know, without a few of the filters that that are usually um, there when you're watching the other channels. When you're watching anything mainstream and stuff, yeah. yeah. All right, so they're starting off season uh, four here with two people you do know, uh, Chris Candido and Tammy Cinch. Um, did you have a pretty good relationship with Chris? Um, I would respectfully say so just because he's passed and because there wasn't any like huge issues, mm -hmm. but, but, but really I, it, it wasn't, it wasn't, we weren't that tight, you know, and there was some friction. Yeah. Um, I always thought the friction was because I didn't fuck Tammy. <laughs> and, and, and that's the only thing that I could think of. I didn't put her over. Um, and, you know, everyone else did. Yeah. And she would be super flirty. Um, and I was, you know, at that time, um, married and, and faithful, you know. Mm -hmm. um, Tammy looked great. But it was like, I know nothing's going to happen with that, you know. And it's kind of a turn off that she's had every other one of these boys' dicks in her mouth. But anyway, that's just personally. But she would, you know be like really flirty all the time. And I think maybe that's why uh, he and I, and I can't even describe the friction right now because I can't remember. That's why I think, I don't think anything really specifically happened. Um, 
I can't remember how it was, but it was it was always a little rough because Sabu and him got along really tight. Oh yeah. Usually, usually when Sabu's tight with somebody, that would be all it takes for me back then. And then you know, boom, come on in. We're all on the same click. We're all good. But with him, there was I don't know why. Fuck. Now that I think about it, I met him. My very first fucking USWA match in in way back in uh, ninety three ish one ninety one oh, dude wow ninety one yeah isn't that crazy uh, that's so wild yeah so uh, before ECW way before way before way before way before yeah this was blue trunks white boxing boots um, short blonde hair Rob Zakowski. And um, it was the first territory ever that I got to work, USWA, where we're working on a loop in uh, Saturday mornings in Memphis. Saturday night is in uh, Nashville. Sunday, you know, was uh, it was either house show or Arkansas. And then Monday was back in Memphis. Tuesday was Louisville. Wednesday was Evansville, Indiana. And there was this loop. And Thursday was Dallas, but they stopped doing that right when I got there. But um that was the first time I'd ever got to do that. I'd only been working about a year, had about a dozen matches or so before I went there. And my very first match was at the Nashville Fairgrounds. Yeah. And I was wrestling uh, Chris Candido. He'd been there for a little bit. He'd been there for a few weeks before me. Um, and our dressing rooms were on opposite sides of the building. So we couldn't, like, uh, you know, spend a lot of time together together. Uh, Getting to know each other before the match, and um, dirty white boy Tony Anthony, yeah, he he would tell me this later on. Um, after I got over, he would always bring this up. He would say, Man, we thought that was so funny to put you guys out there the first match of the whole night and, and have you guys go Broadway, which which meant go to the time limit, yeah. Sabu's joke is, ha, ha, they said he's going Broadway, and Ivory D said, hoo, hoo I'm going to be, uh, I'm going Hollywood, New York. And that's, <laughs> that's the way Sabu puts it. But Tony Anthony always said that he thought it was funny to put us out there and tell us to go 20-minute time limit because we were both green, and, and, uh, and they'd never seen me. And here I am coming in, you know, like, oh, I'm a kickboxer and this and that. And I'm one of the Sheik's boys. Anyway, I wrestled Chris Candido that night, and we went to time limit. And um, it was a great match. And we pulled off all kinds of stuff, walking the ropes, bouncing off my legs. You know, I just, I remember uh, a lot of parts of it, but Tony Anthony later when he would bring that up, he said it was a sellout at the curtain, man. We were all watching and we all expected it to be funny. And you guys tore it up and you guys had like the best match of the night. It was crazy. Um, But that's when I met him. He rode with us one time, not not full time during that USWA route, but I remember him riding with us and staying in the hotel room with us when you had to pull the mattress off the bed and I'd sleep on the box spring and we'd split it. We already had four people with him. It was a fifth, uh, but he did a loop with us and uh, I met him way back then. And um, yeah, and, and in ECW, um, there was one time that sticks out in my mind where we were doing a promo where i'm walking in the building and they're walking out or vice versa and we're passing each other carrying the little rolling bag or whatever and and when they walked by me they wanted me to uh grab tammy's ass that was the Uh the deal and chris gets mad and then we have some words or whatever we'll settle it in the ring tonight you know one of those things yeah a little thing there 
Yeah. Um, and, and so like, I just thought, you know, I, I'll work at the camera's not going to know whatever. And we went by and I just lightly, you know, patted her on the ass and, and we turned it and we did it. <clears throat> and they were like, you know, cut. Anyway, Tammy comes up, but she says, uh, I, I couldn't even feel it. I couldn't even like feel his hand on my ass. I'm like, when you like, grab it, like, I, like, you know, you know <laughs> when you clutch it, squeeze it, you know, and I and I was thinking, you know, she's always want me to put over her advances and I never do. And so this is a chance, you know, for, you know, okay, I get it. But just like when a uh, Sandman told me to lay it in the first time I ever gave him a kick, <laughs> I wanted to try to make her regret it. You know, that's, right, right. That's you want me back ass? Yeah. <laughs> I walked by them and I just and I squeezed that like hard as I could deep. Hard, like, like really hard till they turned around and oh, she screamed, which was supposed to. And then Chris went on with, you know, what? Hey, what happened? Did you touch her? And, you know, we went on with the promo and I never talked to her about it afterwards. (laughs) 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 Maybe never thought about it till just now, but that was uh, pretty funny. Seek and you shall receive. (laughs) Looking back, though, um, you know, I respect his body of work. Oh yeah. He was amazing. Like it was, you know, I, I was very young, like still at that point. So I didn't, wasn't uh, certain of the ins and outs, but looking at his work in the, you know, looking back is amazing. Like, so yeah. Oh man. All right. Well, I'll just look at a couple more of these ones with you. Um, Bam Bam, obviously Bam Bam Bigelow is one of the episodes that they got going on. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You guys had some pretty good history, right? Yeah, uh, lots of respect for Bam Bam. I was totally thrilled to work with him because he was such a a big star, and I just really respected him. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the nights, I don't know if it was the very first night, I'd have to look look at that chronologically to see if that would make sense, but one night when I was a kid, about to leave the house to go watch wrestling at the Kellogg Center, the local news had wrestling on uh, because they were promoting the event, you know, small town. It's a big wrestling's coming. And um, they were, they were in New Jersey at Larry Sharp's monster factory. And I saw Bam Bam Bigelow back then in the school and I, with his tattooed head, you know, and everything. And he just stuck out in my mind, like, wow. Um, that that's awesome. And I don't even know if I was writing to the schools yet. I think I started shortly after that contacting wrestling schools and shit, but, uh, but that I saw him way back then early. And then I knew, you know, that he could hang in Japan where, you know, they're, that's where the real tough guys, uh, would be in new Japan or all Japan. Uh, and the really big tough guys too. Um, of course I had some great matches with them and, uh, one, one thing that I always respected, he was old school like me, like uh, he, he he believed in receipts and that really keeps everything in balance. And I love working with a guy like that uh, because I'm often going to be like that unless I'm really, it depends on the situation, you know, but like with Bam Bam, especially because I got a reputation for being stiff anyway. So you got to go in thinking, hey, if he stiffs me, I'm going to stiff him right back sure, or, yeah. or I'm just going to take it, you know, but um but with Bam Bam, you know, it was guaranteed, like, I was going to eat something afterwards. And I love that. Like, I remember hitting him in the, with the chair one time. I went to hit him in the back. 
and, and the chair was a little taller or his head was back a little bit. I caught like a little bit of the back of his head, bam. And I, you know, and I was like, Oh shit, I'm going to pay for that. And he just like, <laughs> boom, boom, just kicks me, picks me up, power bombs me through the table, folds it up, boom, like a real violent, like little moment. And then it was like, okay, now we can continue. I love that. <laughs> right. I love that. Yeah. Now, did that? How often did that kind of happen in back in the, like the ECW days with people giving receipts and everything? Was that a pretty like regular occurrence? And it was it still kind of like that too after like maybe in WWF and stuff too a little bit or it, like I what, think it just it's circumstantial. I think it really depends on on the wrestler. Like that's really like an old school kind of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm always saying when I got trained, the number one rule was protect the business at all times. And that's out the window now, you know. And so now it seems to be safety first. I'm not from that school at all. So uh, most of the guys that are uh, trained by somebody that actually made their living back in the day when people, you know, really, really got into the wrestling and looked at it um, as a fighting art and, looked at these guys as combatants, you know, instead of every fan thinking they could do it. Um, Those are the guys, you know, a lot of times they'll be like uh, receders, Mm -hmm. like you're not going to, you're not going to forearm Bob Holly in the face without him hitting you back hard. Mm -hmm. And and then also it depends on a lot of times on, on, on your relationship with the guy you're working with, you know, like after you work with a guy, a lot of times, if it's like, look, you know, I got him 11 times. He got me 17. It's like, whatever. Sometimes, you know, it mm-hmm. depends. It depends on the uh, situation. By the way, <laughs> you might find this interesting. Uh-huh. Popped up in my head. Bubba Dudley. Mm-hmm. Bubba Dudley and I used to uh, receive each other all the time. You know, yeah. one of us catch the other one and then bam, the next thing was just going to be in there. I would catch him with my kicks a lot of times. Uh, and we got into this thing where we were, me and Sabu were wrestling the Dudleys uh, every night. We were doing like three or four nights a week. And every single night between me and Bubba, one of us would catch the other and then the receipt would come, bam, and it would turn into a slugfest every single night. And the slugfest would be progressively with each punch building to a stiffer <laughs> and more serious punch, you know, to the point to where we're not holding anything back. And it would, it would just be like, bam, 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 you know, motherfucker, bam. And we would do that every night expecting the other guy to back out until one of us, you know, would finally need a guy in the stomach or whatever. We would do that though every night straight on in the face and um and we built but we built a relationship through doing that you know what i mean we were so competitive and like uh one night we got into it bam bam and bubba just grabbed the back of my head and he said not tonight rob <laughs> after that you know we like got along better you know yeah breaking through yeah so that's pretty great because i was gonna ask you i was like well geez did that build tension with you guys but it's like more of a yeah. bonding experience in a, in a roundabout way <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. Now I love Bubba. I love Bubba. And we'll talk about that later. Oh, for sure. And you know what? He's such a smart dude for the biz. Like I hear, I cover Busted Open Radio for Wrestling Inc. right now. And just hearing like his insight and how how his takes are, it's like, dude, why don't people think about that stuff? It's like some of it's pretty uncanny for his mind for the business. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Okay. So as far as anyone else, uh, there's Abdul the Butcher. Uh, Marty Jannetty, <laughs> Doink the Clown, Adrian Adonis. Uh, 
was Adrian Adonis somebody that you kind of followed around with at all? No, our careers never crossed paths. I watched him growing up, and that's it. That's um, yeah. No, he was he was kind of a neat personality. I know. Same with Doink the Clown. I believe you know I might have seen him at a few signings and stuff. I think he I was in ECW like briefly as like Born Again. Yeah, okay. where Paul Heyman came up. I think I think it was Heyman had him like kind of almost like the Joker and Batman, like the modern Batman, where he's just like almost like a clown half face painted and all that stuff. And it was kind of a neat thing to kind of go in, but I don't think it really sounds kind of cool, but yeah. Uh, Marty is one of my good friends. You know, I, I got extra special kind of love for Marty Gennetti. <clears throat> big heart, big heart. How did you, how heart did you guys run into each other? The first time I can remember meeting Marty Gennetti, he doesn't even remember this, but we had a tag match in Aruba in 1995, <laughs> excuse me, in Aruba. This was for Eddie Mansfield. He booked the uh, the three islands, the ABC islands, Aruba, Bonaire, and Carousel. And I was part of that. Hawk, uh, the Road Warrior Hawk was there, Brutus Beefcake. Um, so the, 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 his guys, Eddie's guys, which there was a group called IWF, which was out of uh, Orlando. We filmed at Universal Studios and, you know, all his guys and then uh, plus some some other stars. I remember I got I worked twice and then got paid for two matches. I was stoked. I was so happy to be there. And then I was I was really, you know, I'm 24 years old. So like really, you know, young and, and green and, and uh, Austin Idol didn't show up. And, and and so I took his place and wrestled um, Dick Slater in, in, in a singles match. And then I also had a tag match with Marty Jannetty against uh, Mongolian Stomper and I believe Newcastle Bob. And uh, the ring the ring was so horrible that right off the bat the veterans were like, you know, let's get, let's get out of here and go to the go to the floor. And so we you know dove out and, and fought mostly on the floor. Um, that's the first time I remember meeting him. And I, and I, and he was always, when I lived in Florida and was young and, and coming up in the business, um, I was hearing about him. He was always around, but I don't remember ever seeing him. Although I've been to his house when he wasn't there, it was for some reason, but everybody knew him. Uh, I think him and Shawn Michaels had a party house there. Um, I don't remember when I bonded with him. I, I think it was like uh, maybe um, I think maybe it was overseas trips for the Ir the Ireland guy AWR used to be Rampage. Mm -hmm. uh, I think when Marty was booked on there and we rode the bus and then spent a lot of time together, I think that's really when I bonded with him and learned that we're 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 kindred spirits in, in a lot of ways um, because when I talked to him. I could talk to him for 20 minutes. There won't be one serious thing said the whole time. Right. Yeah. yeah. Just fucking, yeah. Just busting balls and all that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. One after yeah. another, after another. And think you're, think you're going into something, you know, and you're, you're really not. It's a hook and it's just a swerve. <laughs> you're really going, going in to say something stupid and punchline and, you know, Hey, can I, can I, but can I be serious? No, for, for real, man. I heard someone talking about you. I want, I want to ask you this, man. Hey, uh, Hey, did, Hey, do you, do you uh do you have animal porn at home? You know, whatever, whatever. It, it, yeah, right. <laughs> it, it just it, it's just a shock each other or get a reply, but there's never anything serious like 
every time I talk to him, but it, I'm always happy to hear from him. Dude, you need those kind of relationships too. It's just like it balances shit out when things get taken too seriously or whatever. You're like, I need guys like that in my life. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm known to leave some lengthy uh, voicemails when I leave them. And Marty, Marty responded in kind. So that's a lot of our relationship is just voicemails. I can play you probably four right now. They're two minutes uh, a piece. Yeah. That's fit. I see. I, I never would have guessed that you had a relationship with Marty at all. Like, yeah. Wow. How about that? Yeah. It's good. I see him at the WrestleCons and, uh, um, you know, when I can hang out with them, uh, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So we had a, we started a new segment last week. Um, it's called guess the gangster. Uh, if you're not familiar, Rob is uh, very well versed in the mafia history and everything like that. And so I, it's a learning experience for me because I don't know any of these guys. So what I do is I go and I try to find a gangster, uh, try to see if I can stump him. But it, I, I altered the thing a little bit here this week, Rob. So what I'm going to do is it's got to be someone that's had some kind of report on them, you know, like either yes. in a and book th- or documentary or something. I think I got a pretty good one. So okay. what it will be is it'll be the mugshot, okay. but it will try also that. be some like, statistics almost beside them some little notes so okay so here it is guess the gangster everybody let's give it a try and then let's see what you can do here oh that one's easy dude you went went from like really really hard to like this a layup super easy yeah okay born in italy Lucky Luciano appointed him. In, is it the, so? Was this Murder Inc.? Was that what you were talking about last? Yeah, week? I could. Yeah, I came up with it later in the night. Murder Inc. Damn it! Yeah. I'm trying to think of the name of the. Yeah, yeah. Albert yeah. Anastasia ran uh, ran Murder Inc. That was one of the things that uh, um, he was uh, going to be in trouble for, but they whacked him. Yeah, they got him. And th- that's what I thought found fascinating was how he died because they said that he. Um, he was in the barber shop, right? And then they he, the guy came in to kill him, and he started attacking him, but he was attacking the mirror. Yeah. And then they fucking shot him up, and he was done, though. Yeah, yeah, that's so. what they say. Yeah, and uh, there's been different gangsters that have taken credit for that. You know, a lot of traditional uh, mo- mobster lore says that it was Joey Gallo and Carmine, Carmine uh, Persico that – that pulled off that uh, assassination. Uh, but I, I doubt that it is after reading uh, into it. I think it was some other Columbo, uh, Columbo guys, I, I think. But, um, but that, that's, you know, it's one of those unsolved murders. But, but traditionally, Joey Gallo and Carmine Persico get credit for that because Joey Gallo did an interview afterwards and said, you could just call us the, um, what do you say, the whistling? Oh, uh, I saw that name, I think. Something that meant a barber, not quartet, but something that means a barber or the, the not the, I can't, can't think of the word, but you call yeah. it the, yeah, but anyway, yeah, right. But by the way, that's one of the most famous murder photos is uh, seeing uh, him on the floor beside the barber chair with the towel wrapped over him. Yeah, all kind of laid out and stuff. That and Paul Castellano. Um, right, right outside of uh, his limo in front of Spark Steakhouse. Those two, I think, are probably the most uh, most viewed uh, mobster murder photos. But yeah, that, uh, this this dude was sick though, Albert Anastasia though. Like he he was, they called him um, the Mad Hatter. They called him a bunch of yeah. I saw that on there. Yeah, he murdered a lot of fucking people. 
Well, they were saying, what's the one that they killed? He killed Vincent and Philip Magano. And us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they, yeah. they assumed it never got confirmed, but they were like, ah, he probably killed him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but he did. But he's, he killed a lot of people. He was already... So he was already in prison um, on death row when Luciano, Lucky Luciano, got him pulled out, and, and, and they and they started working together. He just thought that was a good recruit, and uh, had, the, had the political power with the corruption back then uh, to pull him out. And, and he was like one of the OGs with uh, Frank Costello and Vito Genovese. He's one of the uh, OGs. Uh, he had a lot of ties, right? And then I was—I think I was also reading too, like how was somebody trying to out him out of his own family or something like that? Is that true or something? Um, out Albert out of his own family. Yeah, out of his own family of something like he—he he was kind of the head of the things, and somebody was trying to get him out of there too. Um, well, I mean, eventually they did. I mean, that yeah. was so. He, so he did, it was the Mangano family, and then um, he got rid of them. So it's it's. Technically, the um, uh, Anastasia family during mm -hmm. this time, you know, the um, 50s, uh, 56, 57. And then when he got whacked, then Carlo Gambino became the family. And it's always been called the Gambino family ever since. Oh, OK. OK. So Carlo, so Carlo Gambino and Vito Genovese, the way the story is told, they got together and kind of planned this murder on, on him, um, you know, so to take over power because they were allies and Vito wanted uh, Luciano's family. Frank Costello was running it. So uh, Luciano, or I'm sorry, Vito Genovese tried to whack Frank Costello. It's a famous assassination attempt because the bullet like grazed his head. Uh -huh. and, and, uh, and then um, this was Vito Genovese when he was, when he was, uh, it was Vinny, Vin, Vinny, Vincent the Chin Gigante when he was younger, but he did it for Vito Genovese. Shot him, supposedly called his name first, said, uh, Frank, this is for you. And fucked it up because then he turned his head, boom. Uh, but then in court, the way the story goes, Frank Costello wouldn't testify against uh, the would-be assassin, but he got the message that he, he was going to step down. Vito Genovese took over the Luciano family at that point. Um, and it became the Genovese family, which it still is today. And then they had to get rid of Albert Anastasia um, either right before or right after that happened. Uh, they were both in 57. Yeah, 57. I saw that was the date for him. Like, yeah, there. so they were, yeah, because they were tight and then they were tight. So that's, so that's what happened. <laughs> man. Yeah. Oh, man, I'm diving into it. I'm liking it, man. I got to, <laughs> I got to get the, I, what is it? The, the Frankie Carbo with? What's the guy's book name? Uh, he was the oh, Frankie Carbo, the guy that ran boxing. Frankie yeah. Carbo and Pinky uh, Palermo. All right, those are that's the ones I have at the top of my list. So, yeah. Um, so, uh, what I, we talked about last week too was a new segment too. With uh, we're gonna like kind of do some random matches of viewers, and uh, you know it, it kind of serendipitously worked out because the guy that wrote our press release for the show, he was tagged at me in a thing that said. Um, what about this match? And so, uh, what do you, if I were to say the date, August, I believe it's 19th, 19th, 1997, uh, hardcore television. Do you kind of remember where I'm going with this one? Um, I, no, I mean, the handful of matches comes to mind. I, yeah. can't, I can't say which, which one was in August. I'm thinking, uh, 
when I won the title from Bam Bam. Um, it's in that ballpark for sure. Wait, you said 97? 97. I feel like I didn't have the championship till like 98. That was later. So like you were doing, Bam Bam was involved, I saw in this one. And in this this match, yeah, but was I television champion? No, you weren't. No, you weren't. You okay, weren't. right. I misunderstood uh, you then. Yeah, that's okay. Um, so, but no. So, so this one, with, uh, Tommy Dreamer, and you, uh, in your first Pittsburgh with him. Yeah. Well, no, that's November to remember. It Shut up. It was in Philadelphia, ECW, ECW Arena. You guys had uh, first match. I think it went about like twenty minutes or so. Okay. And, uh, YouTube Chris helped me out with this, but he was saying that, yeah, this was your guys' first match going in, and you ended up winning after – it was a really cool finish, too, that you guys had on there. Was it's not the flag one? match. The, the flag match? Right. It's not that one, right? No, 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 no okay. it's not that one. So it's the one um, – Alfonso gets you know, obviously uh, into it, and then uh, Beulah gets involved, but then uh, you guys finish it with a trash can. And uh, you do the spin around leg drop, and then you pound your fist on top of him to get the pin. And <laughs> it was a badass finish like that. Was it? Yeah, it was really bad because Sabu punched, got involved. I punched through the, the uh, to, to, to make the cover. I punched yeah. The you punched. So what you did is like you, yeah. you hit your spin around leg drop onto him because oh. you hit the five star. You hit the five star. But oh. you hit him. Yeah. And then you spun around, did the spin around leg drop, and then you punched down on the top of the can. And it was it was such a cool way to finish it off and everything like that. But um, uh, I wanted to ask you, so Tommy at that time, he was kind of like the growing baby face, but it was so crazy to think, I even kind of forget too how good of a heel you were back then too. And because like uh, just the way, and how, I, what I want to ask is like, do you kind of attribute that to being, having the WWE ties plus having Bill Alfonso or where did, what else kind of made you such a good heel at that point in time? Do you think? Well, you know, I came in as a heel with, uh, in 96 ECW cause I was working against Sabu mm-hmm. and now you're talking about 97 and I'm, I'm not exactly sure if, if this is after my WWE. Um, it's right there. Because they were, they were playing Mr. Monday Night and all that stuff. Okay, because that's when we had – well, okay. So I was Mr. Monday Night for a while before that, actually. That's why it was weird that Jerry Lawler got credit for naming me that because I was <laughs> – but, um, no, I got you. Okay, so that was after our first pay-per-view, Barely Legal, and then it was during this time then. And uh, I think I was – I don't know. Was I still a heel from from – I came in – as a heel, and I really don't remember how long that lasted. Uh, you were still a heel at this point. Yeah, but still the was crowd heel. was into you. So, like there's, there's no denying that because like the crowd was almost split. It seemed like because you know you would be doing a move, you would hit like the you know the Van Daminator, whether it was in the corner or you would do. Uh, there was something else that you did that got a pretty good pop. Yeah, yeah. No, I got you though. Yeah, I was always an over heel. You were but, always an over heel and stuff like yeah. that. But, but you could cut. Yeah, there were yeah, some good yeah. subtleties that you would do where you'd just like kind of talk trash a little bit to fans or yeah. to Tommy at certain points in time, and so yeah. it was kind of like bouncing it out. Fun. It's fun being a heel sometimes. Yeah, know? I had more fun then than I did in TNA when they changed me heel Impact Wrestling recently, like a few years ago. Um, but a lot of that was because I had Katie to worry about, and that changed my whole game. Just 
you know, worrying about her and having her parts down and everything. Like, I'd never, before, like, it was me and Sabu and Fonzie, it'd be like, sometimes I'd worry a little bit. Like, I hope Fonzie's got this timing down. I mean, he's got to be, like, right there. That would happen sometimes, but it's different. It's different when I feel like it's more my responsibility when it's Katie and and uh, a lot of times she'd be a lot more involved and um, and she'd be nervous and that would make you know that rub me off. It would, be, like, it would just yeah, geez, be yeah. I was curious because that was a fun heel run for me, like watching it as a viewer with you and Katie because it was like a different route that you guys took and everything. So I was kind of curious about that. How if you guys had a lot of fun with that or if that was a little bit more stressful for you? Uh, it was both. It was both. Um, it, it was it was fun um, at the same time. Um, I didn't do it long enough to really feel like I could master um, utilization of having her as my partner, you know, mm-hmm. so my experience being in the business, I was able to do some things, you know, like having her there, but I, but I really feel like to my wife, like we could have come across, you know, like we've been fighting together always forever, but instead, you know, these were our first time doing stuff like that. Um, and, and also my body was hurt there that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think about that, like almost my whole impact run, almost like that was, I had issues that, that are, you know, for the most part gone now. And it's like, um, um, it, it was just like a temporary, temporary thing, you know, but, um, and then also like, I never really knew what they were doing with me. Uh-huh. Never, never really felt like they were going to get their money's worth out of me, uh, get their money back for what they're paying me. And so every week when we would leave, I would expect it to be my last week. You know what I mean? And then I would say, bye, Scott DeMore. It's all right. Hey, thanks for everything. And if he'd say, yep, uh, see you next month. I'd always be surprised. Like, Oh, all right. Well, I'll see you next well, month. I, I remember me with, um, mustache dude, the, the dick flipper. Um, Oh, Joey Ryan. Yeah. Especially when they teamed me with him and stuff. I was like, I wasn't even going to pretend that I cared about that, you know? So I figured, I figured my character is just going to be real to me. And so like when they have a standing four in a line doing a promo, I'd usually be turned looking at them, just watching them, what they're doing and shit, you know, and act like I don't give a fuck. Cause I did. And I wasn't going to be like, yeah, I fucked 30 years of being one of a kind whole fucking show. I'm with uncensored right here. You, you fuck with one of them. You fuck with me. You know, it was just like, like, dude, I'll go straight to the split up where we turn on each other if that's cool with you, <laughs> you know. Right, yeah, let's just kind of get right to business on that one. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, hopefully that answers your question. It does. No, it does. Um, I, With Tommy, like, did you cut – when you were in the, the element of that, I know there's the competitive aspect of it that can be there, but, like, could you kind of see him being – like, was he like the big baby face to kind of consider him in ECW at that moment in time? And did you kind of see more potential for him too when he went into WWE later on? Um, yeah, Tommy was uh, like the biggest baby face, I think, on both sides of the curtain. You know, mm-hmm. the fans loved him and everyone loved him backstage that I know of. He would, you know, go from click to click and uh, get along with everybody without immersing him into himself into their cultural habits. You know what I mean? He could go from the Coke click to the pot click to the drinkers to whatever, and just talking to them, you know, and everybody just, you know, respected him. And he was, yeah, like when it comes to a family atmosphere, like he he stands out as feeling like family, like a brother. And I think 
he has that effect, I think, like on on everybody. You know, Sandman was a big baby face because he represented the the fans, you know, the crowd. Right. And um, so he was super over too. They loved Raven. Mm-hmm. It was crazy over, you know, and that that I was still trying to figure out. I never even heard the word grunge before I went there. And I was baffled by his followers, you know. Um <laughs> were you? <laughs> yeah, I was trying to understand. Yeah, like I didn't, yeah. I didn't I didn't get it, but I'm not, you know, I'm not saying anything bad uh, about him or anything. I'm saying it's no, not, I, I know what you mean. Not though, because... To be a promoter or to, to be a talent scout or whatever. And there's nothing about him. And I met him way back, you know, in, in WCW in 92, but, um, uh, but yeah, I didn't get it. I didn't get the whole thing with him uh, with his skirt or sitting in the corner or doing nothing, chilling and the fans loving it. And yeah, I was learning all about that whole culture. But that was kind of neat, too, because, like, I was looking at that. And after the match happened and stuff like that, so, like, you came in, got the win. Sabu immediately came in and started beating the shit out of Tommy, too. And then who came in to help him out? Oh, boy. Yeah. And then uh, Shane Douglas, uh, you know, Triple Threat all came in, you know, and started beating the shit out of, like, Bam Bam and Candido. So they came to balance the scales out. Then the Dudleys came in, took over. And then New Jack came in. It was, like, a huge all-out like schmoz that was going on basically. Okay. Wow. And um but yeah, I mean like but it made me think about it. It was like ECW had so many different diverse characters that were like from different cultures that you were like, okay, there's fucking new Jack there. And to your point, Raven wasn't in the ring, but you, Raven was a different guy that c- certain fans could get behind. You were a different guy that fans could get behind and then yeah. Tommy was the heart like kind of vibe of that all stuff. So it was yeah. it yeah. made me think about like how like well like I guess represented ECW was basically. Yeah, New Jack was a big baby face, you know. Right. Yeah, crowd <laughs> uh, so, go crazy when they would come out, and yeah, that they, they need to do that more. Like just the fact that the music still played when he was coming out and shit like right. that. That was cool. Fought. That oh. was so fucking cool. Yep. Yeah. So, all right, Rob. Um, we got time. We'll do so, a couple of the ask RVD questions. We got cool. so. Um, a courtesy of uh, Instagram, a wrestling historian actually helped me out with this. So um, let me start here. I'm yeah, gonna... here's... Oh, go ahead. You ready? Yeah, I was just saying, I'm going to go ahead and, uh, and spark you... up uh, and then already be smoking, rolling into our. We're rolling our videology at the end yeah. here. Okay. All right. So Josh Perez asks, and you mentioned being just at the, uh, what is it, the. Um, the adult uh, wrestle, well, the adult uh, convention, right? What was it? Exotica. Exotica. So this is this kind of might tie into something, maybe. All right. Uh, Josh Perez asks the weirdest thing a fan has ever asked you to sign. Man, it's a great question. Um, I, I wish I kept better track of, of some of the things that uh, stand out. What did I sign? Um, I signed something recently. Maybe it was at the Exotica. You know, I think I might have I signed something at the Exotica, and I remember specifically saying I've never signed one of these before. <laughs> and I can't remember um, if it was a like uh, if it was a dildo or uh, a flashlight, like one of those gimmicks. Flashlight. Uh, oh my god! <laughs> was, I can't remember what it was, but. A lot of people will hand me grinders and say, you ever signed one of these? Like all the time, do people hand me grinders and assign yeah. so many of them, you know, and rolling papers, um, 
Sometimes they ask me to sign their, their skin. Someone asked me to sign her boob, this girl. And I was just like, and I was just like frozen by it because I didn't know what to do. I was like, so uh, I didn't know the answer. And it wasn't, and Katie was right there. And it wasn't because I thought she was going to get mad or anything. You know, she right. wouldn't mad. I was just like, it, it was just so, I was like, are you going to get it tattooed? I mean, it's going to like, it's going to be like washed off later. So it's like, not worth that much. It kind of devaluizes my signature. The only person that's going to see it is your, your husband when he's banging you later. And that's kind of weird. Like, I don't, I was just, I, I was so, uh, I don't, I don't know. It's just ended up like walking away. I was like, kind of like broke for a second. Like, uh, yeah, I really didn't know. Like, I, I remember too, when we were in Rostraver, uh, you were like great with everybody. And I remember the one uh, woman came up with her, like, boyfriend or husband or something like that she's like hey could you put us in a headlock and you're like nah i'm not gonna do that <laughs> i'm good yeah i'm good on that <laughs> and then i went over and i went over and i told her this i said i understand i said i was at a porn convention and i went up to my favorite porn star and said hey can i stick my dick in your mouth <laughs> <laughs> same thing right same right I got a picture of you holding my cock in your mouth. You don't have to suck it. Just hold it there. Tomato, tomato. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I, this is a good question because I used to get mad at this. So I want to see how you felt about this. Did you ever get mad at Shane for doing the coast to coast when you were doing the Van Terminator? Did that bug you at all? Uh, never, never mad. Yeah. No. You know, like when I saw it, it wasn't a positive stroke, you know, it was kind of like, uh, you know, now everyone's going to think he created that move. Oh, kind of like thing. Um, so it, it was, it was just like that, you know, and I was the ones that know, know, but I was like, man, a lot more people are going to see him do it. And then, uh, and then, and then since then, uh, a lot of promoters and in WWE, when I was there too, a lot of times they, they talk about me doing it. And they say, when you get ready to do the coast to coast, which corner are you going to do it from? I'm like, no, I do the Van Terminator. That's right. I don't uh -huh. do the coast to coast. I never heard. I was like, what the fuck's the coast to coast? I was like, it's the Van Terminator. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, Paul gave it to him. And, yeah. and, and Paul gave him everything, you know, like during the whole Attitude Era, everyone's like, you know, were you, how'd you feel about them ripping off all, all the ECW ideas? And for that, you know, uh, maybe this came up yesterday when I was doing the Vice thing about mm -hmm. uh, Paul. Um, and they didn't even know. I was like, yeah, Paul was already there working with him way before we knew that he was. So having yeah. the bigger picture, it all makes sense. Now, we thought that he, that they hated him and and we all collectively, you know, were standing against WWE and didn't realize that he was one of them. <laughs> How wild <about> that? <laughs> all right. Um, so this is a this is a good one because I, I always we talked about your TV run and stuff like that. Were you upset about being unable to win the original ECW championship in the original ECW? Or were you pretty happy with just having the, the TV title run and making that kind of its, your own thing? Right. Um, huh. Scotty Riggs just texted me. Did Scotty, he? He's looking Scotty good. Has, I just saw him on social media. <laughs> Richard, I remember uh, him carrying me on his shoulders when I had to, had to give up the TV title because uh, of my... Uh, Broken ankle. That's what yeah. it was back then. Yeah, that sucked. That sucked. I was having fun with the TV title. I didn't. I didn't need the heavyweight championship. I wanted 
to make the TV championship mean the most in the company. And I, and I was doing a good job at it because the fans wanted to see me the most a lot of times on the card and would chant RVD sometimes through the whole show until I came out. And um, uh, I, I wanted to, be, to, to build the status up uh, and the value of the television championship by having the best matches on the card and that being associated with the TV championship. And then I really liked the idea of Mike Awesome building up the TV, uh, the heavyweight championship so that we were like two pedestals that were lifting the whole company up. And then, and then I wanted to someday, and I wasn't in a hurry to do it someday, you know, then, then, then meet head on, uh, but I wasn't in a hurry to do it. I thought maybe that was something we could really build for a while. Oh yeah. And I, what was really cool too about that. And like looking back at it in hindsight, it's like, makes you think about it even more. It was like, those were the only titles, you know, you know, that was it. You had the tag titles, but then that was the only ones. So they, they meant so much, you know, and then you holding that. That's why Taz got the FTW belt. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think that was just a really cool added aspect to ECW that made it feel very special. Um, All right. This will be the last question. Then we'll get to the RVDology. Mike Whitaker asks, what current wrestler would you like to work with if you had the opportunity that you maybe haven't done yet? Mm. Um. I don't know, man. I have for years always just said whoever pays the most. That's know? right. <laughs> Try to come up with a different answer and it's my brain just doesn't think like that. I don't know. You know, like um, it's it's like I've been wrestling for over 30 years. You know, that's a lot longer than anyway, <laughs> my entire adult life. Longer than I haven't been wrestling is what I was going to say. But um, it's it's a job. It's what I do. And I try to make the most of it no matter what. And, and so it's like uh, sometimes I'm wrestling my friends and I look forward to that. Um, because it's like a bonding experience. Yeah. And it's, sometimes when it's my friend, that could mean it's going to be uh, more fun. It could mean it's going to be uh, stiffer. Um, usually, it can be guaranteed we'll be on the same page. You know, at least when when we're out there and uh, and, and get the job done. And and I don't have um, matches that are less than really good anyway. Um, so so there's that. But um, I don't. It doesn't. I don't really think about like, man, I could really tear it up with this guy how about how about hulk hogan he's, yeah, not, that's a current, he's not a current wrestler i know but when i was hanging out with him uh down in florida he had i asked him i said man hulk a long time ago you had you had said like if uh before he got i went to tna in 2010 because he told me to come in there right yeah yeah like i knew at that time i was a hot commodity and stuff um but and plus, you you were talking too, like last uh, two episodes ago, like Angle was making money there and and like kind yeah, of yeah. showcasing a lot of himself there too. So I was yeah. doing RVD radio, and Hulk called me on my phone, uh-huh. and I so I, I I gave him the number to call the hotline, and he called. It was on the show for a long time, putting me over, talking about why Impact needs me to come down there, and I was just like, I can't believe Hulk is humbling himself to do that to me, you know? Like that was just because Hulk's the 
god of wrestling to me you know from growing up with it and um but so i i brought that up when i was hanging out with him a few months ago and said uh, hey you know you were you were saying like if you could build a company around me you would he goes i would i would i go i go but you said that but then i came into impact you know and then um yeah i don't know what happened like at this point or something and he was he was like what no and i was like i was like what, what happened are you weren't really in charge there or what, what went on and and he was like, I think he said he doesn't even remember, you know, and I don't really remember either. <laughs> Everyone had their own personal situation. So it's not like he was the boss running stuff, you know, but, but anyway, he, he said something like, uh, man, I wish I could have uh, worked with you. I could have made so much money. And, and it was one of those things where he was like, uh, stand up, lock up with me. It was like one of those, one of those things, uh, which, uh, um, was, you know, I was being a couple of marks, but, uh, but it went to my head and I was thinking like, wow, Hulk Hogan told me that he w he could have made a lot of money working with me and that I would have had to be um, the baby face. Like, that's incredible to hear him say that. <laughs> oh, man. Well, yeah. And that's the best kind of compliment you could get. <laughs> like, I, I could make a lot of money with you, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think, it, you know, if, if you're as the baby face and he's the heel, it would totally be a good. You guys could definitely work a good story and program. <laughs> So no doubt about it. All right, Rob, it's time for I think our hit segment, and it is RVDology. It is it's time uh, to it's enlighten one up for folks. You're already doing it, but let's yeah, I got a little bit ahead of the game. Everybody spark up. Everybody spark up. That's if you do it. Welcome. You know, I, to I your know. point last week, you know, uh, I really factored that in throughout my week so far today. I love it when you say this, dude. I knew you were gonna say this. I think it's probably an important part of the show that you are for this, you are um, a a hmm, uh, um, a, res a result of uh, RVDology. You're like I know that I <laughs> I'm know a work that, in progress. That it's that it's that it's um, it's um, wh what's the right way? I want to say invaded. I know that it's um, interjected itself into your life, hasn't it? It has, and it's funny because all right. So Mother's Day was this past weekend. I was like, okay, I'll call my mom, wish her a happy Mother's Day, all that stuff. So I did. I was like, hey, mom, happy Mother's Day. And then she was like, oh, she was thankful and all that stuff for it. You know, my grandmother's still around, too. She's like, oh, did you call your grandma yet? And I was like, no, not yet. I talked to her a couple of days ago. She's like, oh, you got to call your grandma. And I immediately was like getting on the defense because like I will call my grandma. I'm not going to not do that. You know what I mean? And I was like, and but I was immediately thinking about that. It's pride. It's pride. Just don't think about that too much. And so it really helped me out. So <laughs> it made me. Oh, be aware of what I was doing exactly. Yeah, and that's the thing, you know. That's that's toxic energy, that's unnecessary. Um, and and the way to deal with it, just like all of my principles that I um, elaborate on with RVDology, with all of them, you can apply them. Uh, some of them, you might think like, wow, you know, that's it's too late. I was brought up this way. No. Everybody needs to reprogram themselves as an adult. Santa Claus isn't real. And so you need to look at the world differently. Everybody does. And the best part is really just awareness. Like you mentioned, that's key. That's the first step. And it yeah. is it is active. You Just by being aware and uh, that message going off in your head when it's happening, that changes your perspective. And that's what you want to do. It makes mm -hmm. sense for you. It changes your perspective. So, you know, it, it's a it's a it's a growing process. It takes 
uh, a long time and, and we're all still learning, you know, um, and, and everything that I talk about, these are things that I learned um, a long time ago and that I, and that I apply today, but I'm always working on uh, self-improvement, which by the way is subjective to everybody. So mm-hmm. another reason why it's good for me to have my values out there because um, you know, there's things to you that are bad that I don't consider bad. Right. You know, we, we talked about the different values and stuff. You know, sometimes people will say, you know, I've gone um, two months without saying a swear word. Oh, okay. Good for you. Uh, right. I don't care about that. six months without having um, tilapia fish. Like, boy, it, you know, like I don't, it doesn't mean anything to, to me, mm-hmm. but you're setting yourself a goal and going for it. It makes you feel good about it. Thumbs up. You know, I'll support that. You know, right. No, it's yeah, supporting your own thing and what you want to work on for sure. Right. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. So today I want to talk about that, about supporting and stuff. And and really, um, uh, let me I want to start this way. Like a lot of people, if you tell them uh, a lot of people would not ever even think about wanting to work on being a better person. There's right. a lot of people out there that are just maybe they're just miserable. They're just uh, into their day, whatever. They have reasons to be angry, whatever. They have no interest in in, in, in bettering themselves uh, at all. And they and, and if they asked, like, why? Why should I be better to people? Or why should I try and be a better person? Sometimes it's really hard to even have an answer. You know, like, why should it matter? You know, especially convince someone like that that says we're all just going to live and then we're going to die. And then we don't know, you know, what's the matter after that. But I, I think I have a way to explain to people why it's good to be good. Um, and it, it has to do with our, our, our natural um, makeup. Obviously I'm a, a big advocate for individuality and arguing that we all have our own circumstances our own agendas, um, our own values. We're all in our own places in life, et cetera. But I do believe as humans that we are all biogenetically made up to feel unfulfilled if we don't have love in our heart. I believe that that's true. And so uh, I'm going to try to tell you some ways on how to get more love in your heart because uh, what you put out into the universe is what you get back. It really is. Uh, maybe you've heard of it called the law of attraction. If you're just miserable to everybody, you're going to get miserable back and you're not going to get any change and you're locking yourself in to uh, a position in life. Your actions do place you on the shitty life scale. They really do. And so the way the law of attraction works is uh, what you put out there, that kind of energy, that vibration and the vibration that that you are um, that you are experiencing during that action that attracts more of that back to you. Um, It's it's uh, has a lot to do with the with the frequency and having love is the most positive, good energy that there is. Love comes in all kinds of forms. Of course, it's subjective uh, to people. You know, um, I when I was a kid, the first time I thought that I was getting love was uh, when people would say, ooh, Rob's crazy. 
you know, I, I didn't, I was just getting attention. I'd staple, staple to my forehead or whatever I would do being, being a stupid kid and just having people go, Ooh, and getting that attention to me, like that felt like love uh, to me. Cause it, cause it was attention and attention is, um, is, is a form of, um, of energy that can be, can be translated as love, especially if you don't know what love is. Imagine the lonely person, uh, the, the keyboard warrior that's hacking away all these negative, ugly comments, just trying to get a response. And then someone hits them back and they actually have communication, just that attention, giving them someone communicating with them, even if they're talking shit, that can feel like love if they're, if there's like nothing else going on in their life. Um, trolls, by the way, are among the lowest forms of life that I know of. And, and, and what they do is the exact opposite of spreading love. To me, because a lot of people use trolling to mean different things. To me, when I talk about a troll, I'm talking about somebody that goes out of their way to try to make somebody feel lower about themselves. Yeah. So if you're if you're talking about RVD on some gossip page and you're just saying, well, I think RVD sucks, you know, I don't think that's trolling. I mean, you got your opinion. You're talking about me. If you tag me because you want me to actually see your comment and you think, you know, he needs to know that not everybody loves him. He needs to. I, you're trying to change my vibration because you think I feel too good. I feel too good for how you feel I should feel. So you're going to troll and get my attention and hope that I see it and that, and that you bring my vibration down. Check yourself. That's a troll. And people do it online and they also do it in real life. And, and they'll, they make comments just for that. They're hoping to bring the person's vibration down. And like I said before, if you're miserable, you're going to get misery back. And, and that's going to be where you live in that world of misery. If that's good for you, then that's fine. But I got to tell you, um, I feel fucking awesome. I'm very fulfilled. I have so much love. And it was something that I had to learn about doing. We're talking about Bubba Dudley. And I said, I love the guy. If you would have asked me in uh, 99, I probably would have said, fuck that guy. What? Where's Bubba? You know, he's a, you know, he's a dick, you know, Devon's the cool one. And, and, you know, Bubba was a dick and he'll tell you he was a dick. You know, I think I was a dick. Um, but that's part of growing is looking back and cringing. And when it comes to uh, trolling in, in real life, think about that when you talk to people, you know, like, why would you, what is your real purpose of saying to somebody like, you look like you haven't got much sleep. Or you or anything that, that you just feel would uh, would would hurt them, you know, and uh, and that's that's what people do. They want to take your energy. A lot of times they'll go for for an easy sensitive spot. If you're black, they'll go with the N word, uh, even if they're not like super racist. They just know how serious you're going to take that. That they know how serious they're being by using that, you know, which maybe does make them a racist, but it's just like if you're a fat guy, someone's going to call you a fat ass. You know what's funny? Uh, people think they're putting me down if they call me a pothead. Like they'll tag me sometimes on social media and they'll be like, uh, you need to quit trying to teach people stuff, dude. You're just a, a, a pothead. 
as if I don't choose to smoke myself, as if I was born a pothead and it's something that I regret and, uh, and look at as a bad value. Of course I don't, but I use my values and they use their values and, and they're obviously uh, completely different. Um, one way to spread love uh, is uh, on social media. Like um, on Instagram, I follow hot girls and I follow animals. I follow a lot of martial arts and fighting. I feel obligated to, if I stop and look at anybody, I give them a heart. I just feel obligated because I know what it's like to try to support, try to spread. Uh, and I know what they're looking for when they post. They're looking for likes. So I'm like, okay, yeah, you got mine. Um, almost always, like I have to break my rule if I say, you know what, I don't have time. I'm going to scroll real quick through this. Otherwise, everyone that I look at, even if it's a really violent, horrible thing happening, I support them posting that so that I could uh, witness that and, and have, have my eyes open to that ugliness um, in the world. And, and, and when I was married to my evil ex, there's no way that I could have given hearts to hot girls on Instagram. She was way too insecure. And because of that, I wasn't allowed to have that much love. I got no problem saying I love looking at beautiful females, beautiful um, to me, of course, but I always have. And that would bother her, even, even without it being a danger to her, she felt so threatened by that. She didn't want me, she wanted to put blinders on me so I couldn't even look anywhere but down. And, you know, anytime, like if I was talking to a diva too long and she saw it, oh my God, forget about it. You know, I'd be hearing about it later. So because of all that, and I know a lot of people watching this are in a similar situation too. You, you got happy wife, happy life. Um, I, you know, I was contempt. I was, uh, or I was, um, complacent, I guess, uh, and thought that was something just that we could always work on. She doesn't trust me enough. I'll just get her to trust me more. But I got to tell you, now now I know the bigger picture. Holy crap. You know, like if I showed uh, Katie a hot girl on Instagram, if I was like, hey, look at this girl. Do you follow her? You know, she'd be like, no, she's cute. What's your name? I want to follow her too, you know? Yeah. Uh, when I started um, actually talking to her about uh, her friend Jennifer, I was like, how did I not know you have this cool of a friend? Like, she's so cool. She's And she's hot, but she's obviously, like, really cares about you. Like, she's obviously one of your best friends. I can tell from your acting. I didn't even know about her. Like, I, what is this? And she'd be like, oh, Rob's got a crush. <laughs> and, and it's like, uh, she's so cool. Uh, and she gets it. And she encourages me to show more love and more support. And because of that, my heart has grown. Like I have more room uh, to love so many people that I didn't even know I loved when it comes to all the guys I used to work with, or when it comes to, if it's somebody that influenced me as a, as a kid, you know, whatever. Yeah. I love that guy. Like I just, I have more room overall instead of being competitive one from, from being a wrestler and, 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 and wanting to fight for that spot and two trying to prove that there's nobody else important, uh, but, but the one person that doesn't believe it and will never believe it. Um, but it makes such a huge, huge, huge difference. Um, if you, you know, a lot of people say they don't want love in their heart, they don't need love because they've had a broken heart. You know, they broke, it hurts too much. They're not going to open up. I got to tell you, you're a pussy. 
And, uh, and what you're doing when you're complaining that it hurts too much is you're telling everybody what a pussy you are. So it takes time. Everything happens on its own course. But that's how I would look at bragging to everybody that you're hurt. Um, and hopefully it's temporary um, because, uh, you know, who wants to, uh, <laughs> uh, because you, you got it when you open it up and you allow more love in. Liking, when I'm on YouTube, every video that I watch, if I stop and watch it, I give I give them a like, you know. Um, if it's somebody that I know on social media, I might give them even like a fire or, or one of these, and that's extra support because I think about that energy. I think about them looking at it and thinking um, like, oh, cool, RVD uh, liked my comment, you know, and like what that, will, what that will do and how much energy. And that's about picking people up, trying to get everybody around you to vibrate at a higher frequency, not bring them down because you're down, not bring them, but bring everybody up. And doing that brings you up. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, in the book, this, The Secret, it talks about, you know, just telling a, a girl if that's what it is, you know, if that's one of the things, ways you get energy, telling a girl, well, do you appreciate her? You know, hey, that's a really nice dress or I like your hair or you look gorgeous today, whatever. Watch them lighten up that lightens me up like seeing them lighten up lightens me up. And for most good people, that is the thing you, you, you spread the love, you, you like the heart, you know, like the comment in real life, you know, whatever you can do to uh, get behind somebody, especially if you see it makes them happy. I don't have to be into everything that, that Katie's into or feel like we're, or feel like there's a big distance and, and that we're, and we're different and that that's not normal. You know what I mean? Like, uh, whatever music she likes or whatever dancing makeup all kinds there's all kinds of things that make girls girls you know there's colors that, that they wear and there's all kinds of stuff that that i uh personally um don't have but there's chemical reactions in my brain that draw me to a lot of that stuff and you know what it's natural it's natural in school all my best grades had female teachers. Anytime I had a male teacher, I failed. And uh, um, Katie has no problem with, with knowing that I enjoy uh, women. I'm a big fan of it. And she knows that she's not in danger of it. And when we talked about it, um, I've told her, you know, like some of the divas, you know, like how, how are you not going to love them? They're so sweet. And, and Kitty's just like, yeah, of course. Like, when, like, how, how are you going to like be hugging Kelly Kelly? And she's so cute and she's such a sweetheart. How are you going to like not, not, not love that? Everyone had to love her and she gets it. And the difference is she's not insecure. Some people, this is going somewhere else. This is just looking down the road. Some people have insecure partners for a reason because you help contribute to their status where they should be insecure about you. Not everybody, but some, but that's just something I just want to throw out there. But some people by nature are more secure uh, and some people are more insecure. And I find that the more secure they are has a lot to do with how loved they are. How much love we have is how fulfilled we are. We can still be unfulfilled like in adventures, you know, like, no, I, I really want to climb that mountain and I want to hike in that jungle. I'm not fulfilled until I get that. And we're going to talk about that on a, on a different RVDology episode on just that drive um, and, and, and fulfillment. But um, this, the one way it, to, to get more love into your life 
and I recommend it is to put more out there. And uh, if somebody is harmed by that, then let's break down the reason, like, why is that harming somebody? Mm-hmm. I tell you what, it's that's perfect because <laughs> you think about and like you being in such a positive relationship, it it you can exude that more out to other people too when you, you're oh. in that, like, you know because Katie's supportive of you, you're supportive of what she does even if you're not into it, and the aspect of you like finding that synergy with one another too and, and being able to bring that out to other people, it's like that is the best of both worlds and love. Certainly, if you're loved, it certainly dissipates the insecurity that you have. It very much does. And like, you know, and even that aspect of like spreading out positivity where you're just liking something or, you know, doing an emoji or something like that. It's just, you know, you're giving out the positive energy because, yeah, social media is filled with all that negative energy, too. It's just like. You know, why be a part of that? Why why be in the muck of all that? And, stuff? and when, I, when I'm watching someone's YouTube video, I understand they posted it hoping to get more likes, hoping to mm-hmm. get comments, hoping to get shares or whatever. So I feel obligated, if, even if it's just clickbait. And I click on it and I'm like, oh, you know what? You got me. I'll, I'll still, yeah, they got me. But you know what? Good for you. I'll let them know it worked. You know, and I'll click the heart. I feel obligated. Like I... I sincerely feel bad and sometimes go back if I know it, if I'm like, Oh, I didn't get that last one. And I'll go back and, and, and click the heart. And um, that's, just, that's just one of the, mo- one of the easiest ways, you know, to start people that are watching shows like this, click the heart, click the heart. Like, yeah, subscribe. Comment. <laughs> comment so great. <laughs> like, and share it and shit. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like share, do all that. So give us five stars, all that malarkey. But same thing in real life, though. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and and a lot of people don't have the freedom to be able to express it because of uh, being in insecure relationships and, and stuff like that. You know, and I, I think that's what, what you're getting at is like uh, with with Katie, you know, I can be completely my, my evil ex didn't want me to be completely honest. You know, right. she, she yeah. wanted me to keep stuff from her because she was keeping stuff for me and she didn't like hearing the, the actual honest truth. So she'd rather have a have it filtered. At least that's that's the way that it was. But I remember way back uh, again in the RVD radio days, I did one show on um, being faithful. I think, mm-hmm. and it just it felt like it made everybody uncomfortable. Like, am I the only one, you know, that can have this conversation? I really felt like that. I felt like everyone, guests, call-ins, like everybody listening. I feel like 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 they had some reason to feel guilty during that, and it was like that is you know. That's that's hey, if you want to be status quo, you're status quo, you know. Right. You, it's your actions that place you on the shitty life scale. The scale of shitty life. Exactly. Yeah. And you're gonna th- and it's it goes back to insecurity too when it comes to a lot of that stuff. It's just like you know, that always has something to do with it. And if you're looking to do, you know, kind of build yourself out and you know, you gotta force yourself through that insecurity. You know, and yeah, and you'll see, you'll see, like if you're if you're the guy that's really nice to everyone, spreading positive energy, chances are they're gonna like you. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. People are gonna have good things to say about you, and then they're gonna lift you up. You know, because they'll be like, uh, be like who? Oh yeah, man, that guy's really cool. I don't I don't know him that well, but he's always really nice. And 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 man, that's a start. That's a start. People that people that say that they're. Um, you say they're 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 most happy when they're unhappy. Mm-hmm. Realistically, that doesn't make sense. They they're never happy, you know. 
they just yeah <laughs> that that's they need help that's the aspect they're unfulfilled you know yes yeah nobody i can't tell anybody what they need i can just tell them uh in my opinion what would help them in, in my ways and as you know if you do your own way go get them tacos fuck it right right <laughs> <laughs> find those moments <laughs> well cool this is always neat i think for me and i hope uh Everybody watching either on Premiere or listening to us via a podcast that we're something you need. So, hey, tune into us. Uh, like Rob said, go to rvdpod.com. That's right to our YouTube channel where you'll get exclusive clips and all that stuff. Follow RVD at The Real RVD. You can follow me at Dominic D'Angelo. And hey, yeah, give us some more feedback. We're, we're interested to hear. We just made the big announcement, as, but you know, this is episode three that you're hearing. So hit hit us with the Ask RVD and get some questions in. We're up for whatever, and Rob's always ready to answer. So cool, Rob. It's been a good one this episode. Right on, man. Uh, hopefully next week when we talk, you're going to be telling me how, uh, how you thought about spreading love and how uh, that interjected itself into, into your week and shaped it into a better week. Absolutely. It, I definitely will utilize it for sure. It's it's good stuff. And yeah, you guys utilize it too. Tell us, yeah, tell us your stories too if you have some about it. You know, be sure to get get your input and everything like that. So all awesome. right, guys. We'll see you next week here on One of a Kind. Peace and love. Peace and love. I was waiting for some kind of sign, some